This is a Momentum Media production. Inside Commercial Property with Rethink Investing. Australia's largest and most comprehensive podcast covering all things commercial investing. G'day, how are you going? Phil Tarrant here, co-host of Inside Commercial Property with the man, Scott O'Neill, Director, Rethink Investing. How are you going, Scott? You well? Yeah, very good, Phil. Very good. Yourself? Yeah, it's all right, mate. Good to see you. It's um, uh, springs in the air. Uh, the spring selling season is just around the corner. A lot of people have been chatting to me about this, thinking uh, what's going to happen with spring selling season. And the big question for me is whether or not that actually exists in commercial property. We're going to have a chat about that today, Scott. Um, other things have been on my mind, um, and we've got a special guest coming into the chat a little bit later on uh, around using the right lawyer for commercial transactions. Uh, uh, commercial transactions are often very different to a resi transaction. I think a lot of people make the mistake where they think their local suburban conveyancer could probably also conduct a commercial transaction. So we'll have a bit of a chat around that a little bit around Scott. But uh, hey, I was chatting with my accountant the other day and he said that we, as in me and you, and this particular podcast inside commercial property is behind Every single property investor now wants to invest in commercial property rather than residential. What do you say about that? Look, I, I think we're a very small part of it, but the market is definitely helping us. Uh, this interest rate rise scenario, it's not good for residential property. Look, arguably, it's not great for commercial, but you know, people need more cash flow now. Like the interest rates are higher. So by default, People are looking for other options. And um, at the end of the day, there's a lot of cash deposits out there and equity positions are quite good. And despite what the media headlines are saying about, you know, confidence levels being low, which is the case, but the investors have money and they do want to invest and and putting your money into a term deposit is simply not an option if you want to stay ahead. And uh, I think we're just in the right place at the right time. And yeah, look, we're flying. We're very busy at the moment. And, you know, people that reach out to us know there's waiting lists to to find a property. But um, yeah, look, it's it's because the product is good. You know, people want a high yielding commercial property. And, you know, like you've recently purchased, I'm, I'm in the process of buying again myself. It's a good time to buy. And um, yeah, look, commercial properties, it's a lifelong investment. You're not just buying it for the next year. So whatever the interest rate right now is, it's kind of irrelevant because in 10 years' time, it's going to be a different interest rate and you're going to get a different rent value. You know, your, your return will, will change over time. So, mm. yeah, if you can, you go. Well, this is, and, and I like your sense on the current market right now, and, you know, we've had a number of um, uh, interest rate increases. They're banking on another one uh, in um, September as well, another 0.5 um, or 50 basis points. So uh, we know we're in a rising rate environment and that obviously has an impact on both residential commercial markets, but a lot of people say to me, Scott, that number one, uh, because we do this podcast, a lot more people are asking a question of commercial property and considering commercial over resi, but uh, has the shine come off commercial property now with these interest rate hikes? Because we, you talk about good yields um, and good uh, positive cash flow inside of commercial, but as that interest rate keeps coming up, uh, it keeps just gnawing away at your um, positive cash flow, which may put some people into neutral cash flow or negative cash flow on commercial assets. What do you say to that? Just hold the line? Yeah, I and what I, I do encourage people, reach out to us because I'm, I'm going to do a little news article on like a, yeah, basically a, a breakdown of the numbers and I'm going to use a, an example. It's it's going to be a 5.5% yielding 
commercial property for a million dollars based on a 4.5% interest rate. Now, that might sound like it's quite a marginal deal, but like the question I'm going to put to him is, would you invest in this property in five years' time or buy it now based on the same cap rates with a 4% annual increase in the rent? And believe it or not, just by delaying this decision, number one, you're going to lose out on 152000 of passive income in five years. This is assuming you've used a, a 70% loan at 4.5% interest only. So you've lost 152000 in income. But interestingly, that cap rate with that 4% increase means the property is going to be worth 170000 more in five years' time as well. So just by delaying this decision, it's going to cost three hundred thirty. Or just just about two three hundred thirty thousand extra based on four percent growth. Now that might sound all a bit hard to understand, and it is because you've got to understand how money sort of is uh, really affects itself over time with commercial. Because the cap rate, now uh, as that rent grows, so does the cost of the property. So the answer is, if you're getting an income, you still got to buy because it's going to cost you more next year, and the cap rates have already compressed a bit. So there's the opportunities back in the market, I think. And, uh, and unless you really – yeah, you just got to get your head around this. Like if you don't truly understand the numbers, you, you can't answer this question. And yeah, you've got to break it down year by year, which I'll show you. So if anyone wants to see this, just just email uh, info at rethinkinvesting.com.au and then, um, yeah, we'll, we'll send you this article as well, which I'm halfway through. It's good. We uh, wait with interest. And, and Scott, for our new um – a new commercial investor, you spoke about cap rate there a couple of times. Can you just explain what that is? Capitalization rate is a form of valuation. So the rent value on a property, assuming it's, let's say it's 60000 the 60000 at a 6% cap rate equals a million dollars for the property. Now, if the cap rate of that market's 5%, that means you'd pay a million dollars for 50000 of rent. One more, if it was a 4% cap rate, 40 grand of income is worth a million dollars to the market. So the higher quality of the property or the, the area will dictate the capitalization rate. So a really high cap rate, like 10%, so that means 100 grand of rent equals a purchase price of a million dollars. You'd normally associate that with a very regional risky type property. So maybe it's a, you know, uh, an old tin shed in a 5,000 or less person town. You'd need a very high cap rate because the re-letting of that property would be quite difficult. So uh, every market, every asset type has its own capitalization rate. So you've got to get your head around that before you invest. Like I know, Phil, you invested in industrial in Perth. You bought at a, you know, a, a mid 6% cap rate. The market there is probably 6% or 5.5% cap rates down there at the moment. So you bought better than the market. And that was just, um, yeah, off market purchase type stuff. So the opportunities lay everywhere and the capitalization rate can allow you to identify that. Okay, so um, it's a good description. I hope uh, everyone enjoyed that. Now, um, so I'll give me a sense of the market. We all know resi markets have come back somewhat. Some uh, property commentators are already calling the, the bottom of the market or the near the bottom of the market on the property clock there. They're getting towards 6 o'clock on that. What's your view of commercial markets as we sit right now, if you give us a quick sense at the, the, the sort of capital city level? Yes, so... I'll break it down into asset classes because the capital cities are all kind of running somewhat similar. Um, mm. Industrial, the nation has recorded a, an all-time low of 0.8% vacancy rates, 
which is actually the lowest globally recorded vacancy rate for uh, for any country. So that's pretty enormous, to be honest. That means that you're going to see rapid rent growth in industrial, and I think it's it's a really good sign for capital growth over the medium term. Um, what that'll eventually do is, as all these rents rise, and they are, they're going to rise much faster than people think. It's going to raise the value of these assets. And believe it or not, this came down from 6.9% in 2019. So it dropped from 6.9 to 0.8 because of COVID and everything else that's happened in the world. So that's going to build in um, price growth. Eventually, this is the next stage of the cycle is you're going to see builder margins return. Like obviously, costs of building very high, but you'll see uh, more supply hit the market at some stage when the returns make sense. So that's something to keep an eye out on. We're not there yet. Um, retail, unfortunately, there's not really good data out there because the, the big major warehouse, uh, you know, the CBREs of the world, they just look at CBD areas, which is obviously a skewed section of the economy. They're saying that the vacancy rates is 12.9%, which is sort of, it is increasing. Um, it's probably up a couple of percent from what it was, but that's CBDs. And we know that um, regional and suburban markets have actually gone quite well since COVID. So, yeah, there's sort of figures there that you, you can't really rely on because, like, we're not buying much CBD stuff. We, we help clients into the suburban neighbourhood shopping centres and regional areas, and they're, they're all going very strong. And that's a similar type of commentary for office markets. So they are still – the vacancy rates are quite high. They're probably double what they used to be and in the CBD areas. But, again, suburban markets or regional markets, they're doing quite well. So – we're seeing price growth happen. The lowest yielding assets are the ones that have suffered the highest price drops and, and, and they're very small drops. They're nothing compared to residential. It's almost like the stabilization of the growth has happened because prior to these interest rate rises, it was a bit out of control. So that's all settled down for the last six months and um, and we're seeing basically it's just like deja vu. It's just like the same thing's happening each each month at the moment. We're not seeing any any drop off from our investor levels and uh, yeah, basically investors are just still looking for good deals but they're not going sub 5% for off you know for any deal really at the moment which is reflected in some of the auction warehouse you know big companies that we're seeing the sort of their their low yielding you know KFC type deals they they're now going at a slightly better price than they once did mm. so if you had um, sort of the, the roundup yeah if you had a couple of million bucks where would you put it today well look Personally, I've I've just put uh, a shopping center under contract myself. So look, I'm quite bullish on on well placed retail over the medium term. I, I think industrial is look industrial is the safest bet, but it's you're going to pay a price to get in there. It's because the confidence levels is just so high. So you're not going to do wrong by putting your money into industrial and good retail. Same thing as what there. But yeah, if you had a couple of million, I'd probably look at retail or industrial. Equal and let the deal dictate your final decision. Okay. Well, no doubt um, if you're going to end that pathway, you need a good lawyer to help you with the transaction, big part of the due diligence process um, in commercial, which uh, is a lot more onerous than uh, inside a resi property. Um, it's not too many things that are outside of the norm with residential investing. So uh, your, your local uh, suburban conveyancer or local firm can normally look after you. But um, when you get into commercial assets, Scott, uh, it gets a bit trickier. There's a whole bunch of different things you need to be considering. 
So a few more loopholes to go through, and also there could be some hidden flaws uh, in commercial assets that you might not be aware of, and they might be structural inside the building, but there might also be structural inside of the contract as well. So you need to be able to dig down deep into these different asset classes, um, making sure you're making the right decisions. And you've seen it time and time again, Scott, people getting the wrong lawyer to help them with a commercial transaction. What's the worst that can happen if they do that? Well, look, they they just miss basic things. and. Yeah, look, it's been one of my biggest gripes in my career as a buyer's agent, like working with lawyers that, that don't know what they're doing because, um, like, you know, everyone has their family lawyer or, you know, the, the guy that's a little bit cheaper. Uh, and this creates a lot of problems as a buyer's agent because you need a lawyer to sort of work with you there to help identify issues and, you know, almost be the safety net. Like, we don't want to be the lawyer. We don't, we're not, like, we're here to do all the due diligence but like if you've got no one looking over your shoulder because they're incompetent or they're brand new at the job that's it's worrying for the client because the lawyer solicitors will represent the client that's their job they don't represent the buyer's agent and yeah we previously worked with with many like you know some cheap conveyances out of you know sydney and melbourne who you know they kind of fumble on the job and then you're you're crashing deals last minute because you know They've missed things. So, worst things that can happen is they don't understand a lease properly. For example, you might see um, an outgoing of land tax saying it's covered, but in the the notes of the law, you know, in the lease, it's saying it's not covered. So, it's a contradiction in the lease. So, that imagine if it was on a ten year lease and there's an extra five grand of costs you've got to account for every year. That's got a huge impact on the value. So lawyers if they miss something like that that that's very bad for the client you know, not getting strata reports like it's just there's a, you, there's a million things you could sort of consider but um yeah not understanding the lease is probably the biggest one and um yeah and then obviously there's different implications with different states like if you sort of over overshoot your due diligence period or you get locked into a deal when you're not ready there's um there's other issues that can pop up and cause the client problems yeah and um the good thing with a lawyer is that they should be able to spot stuff early and stuff that you can spot inside a contract that you might not be aware of and or might not have been presented uh, in the most favourable way as you go through your due diligence could be turned into an opportunity rather than something that you need to, to to worry about. And that could be negotiation around a particular point. You might be able to get different terms. You might be able to change the price. There's a whole bunch of different ways you can frame it or you get to choose whether or not you want to proceed with the transaction. The flip side of that is that at the 11th hour, something pops up and it just scuppers a transaction, everyone spent a lot of time, energy and effort to get something done. So make sure you've got the right lawyer working with you. And uh, to your point, uh, Scott, this is not beating up um, the very important work that the property conveyances do. I just think you need to make sure that you operate within your lanes and you use the right person to support you in any transaction. And, um, you know, having uh, recently bought commercial property um, and have bought also um, a lot of resi stuff as well, it's a bit, very different tempo in the um, the negotiation on commercial properties. It's a lot more business-like, uh, a lot more ruthless as well. Um, so if you haven't got the right lawyer with you, you're probably going to lose control of the purchase and be on the back foot. It's the last place you want to be, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, um, yeah, it took me about five, six years of, of working to sort of land on the, you know, the, the guy I, I use, which yeah, we'll introduce now, Sam Saad. Um, yeah, and... Um, yeah, like you said, they've got to be ruthless in the negotiation and and also like negotiating post-sale as well Like because you can you need to, you know, to negotiate against your tenant down the track as well. So when the leases come up, they might play hardball and you need the right guy in the right corner and 
yeah, I, I think I found him. So yeah, well, yeah. well, well, you're happy to share him with everyone else, uh, Sam Saad. Um, I actually use Sam's firm as part of um, my most recent uh, transaction, which I spoke about uh, on this particular podcast. Sam's from Rethink uh, Property Lawyers. Uh, he also runs. Um, he's, he's got a firm with myriad different sort of capabilities. Sam, welcome to the show. You must be okay. Scott uses you. Yeah, that's right, Bill. Thanks for having me on board. Yeah, look, uh, Scott's been great over the years, and I've learned a lot from him. And I think you know, vice versa on the legal side of things. So it's been it's been a pretty good relationship, mm. especially with him and a lot of his clients. Yeah. So talk me through being a well. Are you a commercial property lawyer, or are you a lawyer that does commercial property, or you have a firm that does a whole bunch of stuff, and you also have a specialization in commercial property transactions? Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so look, we we I'm one of the partners at Clinch Long Woodbridge Lawyers, which also has effectively branding aligned up with Rethink Property Lawyers, and effectively um, our Rethink Property Lawyers is an arm that works a lot with Rethink Investing, and effectively we're an independent firm to Rethink Investing. However, you know we've worked with them for such a long time that we've built processes in place that are tailored specifically to their clients and their types of deals. But in addition to that. We basically add a layer of expertise to what we do in that, you know, the firm does a myriad of things, you know, from property, estate planning, family law and other areas. But my specialty is commercial property. And that's one of the spaces that I specialize in. And, you know, being able to work with someone who knows your processes helps out in terms of streamlining that process for clients and making sure that they have a smooth as possible process and also a in-depth understanding of the properties that you're going to go through when they're buying things. Yeah, look, I had a pretty good experience with your crew uh, recently, and I was sort of reflecting on it the other day, thinking I probably wasn't necessarily the best client. Uh, I was hard to get a hold of. I was slow in decision making. Uh, probably didn't pay my bill on time. Um, all that sort of real good stuff. How, how can you be the best, from your view? How can you be the best uh, commercial property investor um, dealing with your lawyer? Uh, what's the secret? What's the secret to success there? Look, the key is being able to work with the whole team together and main thing is obviously being available for your client. So, you know, if you're there, that's a good start. But going from that to just being available to have contact and relationship with Scott, his team, ourselves, and being able to have an open and transparent relationship so you know exactly what each person's doing from their side of things. It's very easy for some buyers to think that, you know, rethink property lawyers and rethink investing are one and the same entity, but we're not. We focus on different things. Rethink Investing focuses on the commercial experienced side of things and the numbers and getting you the right property in terms of you know, the numbers that they present, the outcome, the return, so on and so forth. From our point of view, we check all the legal side of things and make sure that you know all your T's are crossed, your I's are dotted, and that everything's covered from a legal viewpoint to make sure basically your lease is in place, it's registered, it's got tenure, you got the right tenants in place in terms of you know them not being bankrupt, looking into deeper things with counsel if necessary, and going into all that deep legal due diligence. Make sure there's no red flags that you know vendors got potentially covered up somewhere in a contract or in lease terms. It's very easy to mix all those things up. You know, to an eye that has many years' experience, it could be easy to pick up. But for someone who doesn't have that eye for detail, it's very easy to glaze over and miss small things. You know, something like outgoings and whether they're included or not what's covered in outgoings, that level of detail I think is important to see. So do you still get excited reading through legal contracts? Because I've got a stack of them on my desk and I keep getting pissed to look at them and I don't want to look at them because I hate yeah, I love them. That's contracts right. and I would, would never have been a lawyer, but you obviously enjoy it, right? 
yeah, live and breathe it. That's what we do. You know, it's more so the relationships with clients as well that you build along the way and helping them get through that and understand it. And it's funny, you know, you see some clients that have come back to you for two, three, four different transactions. And each time they come back, they're more educated on it, understand the process, and it becomes an easier process as you go along. Obviously, your first one that you go in is very different to potentially previous residential properties where basically, you know, you find a house, you fall in love with it, you buy it. It could be your home. If it's an investment, just the rental numbers need to stack up. But with commercial property, you're dealing with a lot more robust, detailed issues such as different businesses, different tenants in there. You know, it's not just your, you know, a mum and dad tenant that are looking to to just have somewhere to live. It's a more complicated tenant or buyer or vendor that you're dealing with. And there's a myriad of issues that you need to look at when you're looking at those things. So mm. no two transactions are the same. They vary. You know, it may seem like the same contract across the board, but there's a lot, a lot of differences across each property that you're buying. So what's your most memorable contracting journey for a commercial property for being really, really bad or the worst outcome or the worst thing that happened that went wrong? Any, any real memorable moments there? Yeah, look, uh, there's different things that go on every day. But, you know, the most gut-wrenching thing is when we do so much work for a client and, you know, last minute something happens with finance or there's a red flag that pulls up at the end that doesn't work. You know, we've had some shopping centers in particular recently, a shopping center which had about 15 to 16 tenancies, went through everything in detail, we're going back and forth and just basically last minute we couldn't get through with finance on it, you know, we tried to turn it in different ways, and there's many ways you can skin a cat, but we still couldn't get it over the line. And sometimes that's frustrating for a client. But you know, the advice that we had to give at the time was it didn't work because of certain things, and those red flags didn't allow finance to go through. But that's what we're here for. You know, you'd rather lose, you know, fifteen grand or twenty grand in legal costs after covering off everything on an asset that's about seventeen, eighteen million dollars, rather than being stuck in it. And, you know, losing your deposit, which is potentially close to 10%, which could be a million bucks or one and a half million dollars to a vendor who might play hardball with you and not allow you to get out of the contract for whatever reason. So we had to take all precautions. That was something that was pretty big, but, you know, they vary from contract to contract. So I can't tell you we go through that many at a time. So it's, yeah. Yeah. And that's a good point. You know, a lawyer in, in many ways, uh, but personally, I hate dealing with lawyers. Um, I can't think of anything worse. They do, they do a great job, but. You know, the only reason why you have a contract normally is to, is in case something goes wrong, right? You know, it's um it's not the good old days where you do business on a on a handshake. Um, uh, lawyers play a very important role in all transactions, um, uh, particularly commercial property transactions. That's why you need to find the right lawyer that you work with that gets how you work. Um, I could be a trusted partner, knowing who they serve, and that is the the buyer. But it's a cost of doing business dealing with with lawyers. Um, if you're going to Participate in the commercial property. Uh, you need to get used to the idea of of paying for lawyers for the very important work that they do, even if you're not successful in buying it. Um, I reckon that's a pretty good insurance policy. Fifteen grand, twenty grand, um, uh, then blowing you don't want a ten million dollar asset. It pales into significance at decimal points. Sam. Yeah, that's right. And look, I say to people, you know, it's sometimes these transactions are the biggest things you spend on in your entire life. And there, you know, the thing with lawyers and conveyances is that we're not regulated by anything in terms of costs. Everyone has their different overheads, different pricing, different experience levels. So every lawyer is going to charge something different. You know, some are going to be cheaper depending on state-based. Some are going to be more expensive depending on experience. And, you know, ultimately, when I go to professional relationships, if it's an accountant or a lawyer or a broker, 
um, I would normally go off recommendations. And despite having to pay, you know, additional costs or a little bit higher costs sometimes, you know that you're going with someone you can trust. There's a, a relationship where they've been through the process before. And, you know, you might spend $1,000 extra or $1,500 extra on, you know, a lawyer that you know you've been referred. But in the long term, let's just say you miss something that's 20, 30, 40, 50 grand down the track that's going to cost you, then you're going to be spending a lot more on legals trying to fix that problem up. And you're going to be paying potentially that issue of 10, 20, 30 grand. So if you'd spent that, you know, maybe 1,500 or two grand extra early on in the piece, it's money well spent for such a large transaction. And most of the commercial properties that we're dealing with are at minimum, you know, $1.52 million. So, you know, three and a half grand is normally three and a half to five grand is the legal cost on that space, including, you know, disbursements and searches and everything. So if you're spending that amount of money on such a large asset, it's not a lot of money in the scheme of things. You know, if you're going to sell a property, you're going to have sales agents costs. They usually one and a half to 2% or something around there in terms of the price of the property. You know, you've got your brokers who charge you a percentage as well on the value of your loan. If you've got, you know, a $2 million loan, a $1.5 million loan, there's a percentage there. So it's all adds up, but it's all for your protection and, you know, to make sure that you've got everything right from day one so you don't have to look at it down the track. That's a good point. And, and a good lawyer will de-risk your investment for the future. So if you choose to sell it in a couple of years' time, if you have to liquidate it, then anything curly in a contract that you might have picked up, the next purchaser may pick it up. So at least you've got that knowing the asset that you have and you can you know, plan for the future as you need. How do you know, Sam, if, if your lawyer's charging you too much? Is it just one of those things you've got to take a bit of a sense check on? Yeah, look, I mean, first of all, you've got to trust who you're being referred on from. So, you know, you no doubt that person's dealt with that person before and knows how they operate. You know, there's no right or wrong process as to how much is done. But in terms of a sense check, you know, clients are always more than welcome to ask around. But I can almost guarantee clients who in one way or another will find a cheaper person. You can find someone who probably does it for a thousand bucks. But, yeah. you know, it doesn't mean necessarily you're going to get the same level of service as someone who's going to charge a little bit more. And, you know, you'll generally find us at the higher end of the mark, but that doesn't mean, you know, the service that we offer in the detail. We've had a lot of clients who have come back and said to us, your DD process is super detailed and goes into a lot of information that we never expected or, you know, our previous lawyer didn't cover this off. So mm-hmm. you make sure that you get your money's worth in terms of what you're spending. And we don't want to leave ourselves exposed in terms of, you know, what the outcomes could be down the track and what clients may experience at a later point. I've always found uh, leveraging, you know, if you have one trusted partner as part of your property investment journey, whether it's resi or commercial, tapping into their network um, and and their professionals that they refer work to is is pretty good because everyone knows everyone, everyone knows each other's processes. It's a lot less um, tension or, or, or friction in, in those transactions. And and you know, if if you're referred on to someone else as a you know at a service thing, you're probably going to get looked after because. Uh, there's sort of long-term relationships there in place and, and referral partners typically don't want to burn uh, each other. So that's a really good way to operate. Uh, how is it going to be a point in time, do you think, Sam, when robots take over commercial property transactions? It's, it's I, I can't see it uh, any point in time because they're pretty complicated things to negotiate, right? Yeah, mate, definitely. You know, if robots did, I'll make sure I own one of them, but um, they definitely don't. I don't think anything can replace personal advice. There's so many different things that go into commercial properties and whether you need to make a decision on something, it's never black and white. Mm. There's so many different factors that I don't think advice can ever be changed. You know, contracts are contracts. They're all similar in some way, shape or form. But what you find behind that 
contract that fronts you up in the first place is what actually counts and that's where you need to look into things and understand you know what's happening know where to dig know which points to press which points not to press and i don't think experience can be replaced in any way shape or form in the future so and you know robots are not going to be communicating with scott's team down the track so that's you know that's another part of it you know if there's something comes up i can always pick up the phone either make the client's life easier by having a chat to scott or his team about anything or alternatively you know, understanding issues before I have to go to the client and worry them about certain things, you know, that could be a very simple solution or answer to something for the way it is. And that's why relationships are important. So, Scott, how quickly or how how far through the purchasing cycle do you need to bring a lawyer into a commercial property transaction? Well, day one. So, you, you need the solicitor to look over the contract prior to signing. So, I know the process we have with Sam and other lawyers, if, if, if the client has it, is we don't want them doing a massive, costly legal review of a contract um, if it's got a simple due diligence contract at the start because you can do a quick review of it and you know you can pull out of the contract for any reason if that due diligence clause is all-encompassing. So that's a way of kind of saving costs if you're sort of 50-50 on the deal, if you just want to kind of lock in a price and that you know, using a contract is one way of negotiating as well. So you've got to be swift. You can't wait a week or two weeks to get a, a contract reviewed if there's three other people going for the property. So getting a lawyer in quickly to, to do a quick review at the start can allow you to purchase a property better. And, you know, like you mentioned, we've all got our specialties. Mine's negotiating and finding properties, not legal. I don't want to look through a contract and yeah, it's uh, and that's where Sam can quickly come in and cover my weaknesses, and then I can focus on what what I do best. And then once it's under contract, yeah, the lawyers will get into their work. Like I'll use my experience when I'm purchasing a property. The thing I'm most interested in is the legal lease review. Like I've I've seen ten thousand word emails through Sam's team just breaking down each lease to. To the granular detail, like you know, what directed guarantors are in there, what uh, percentage increases, how do they uh, tackle the mark review, what are the make good provisions in the lease, like, and there might be ten different leases or twenty in a property. You know, you could imagine the the volume of work it's included in that. And as a client, when I'm looking at that, I go, I don't want to read all of that because I'll be up all night. I don't have the time, so I'll I'll literally just send an email or call Sam and say, look, tell me what are the the red flags in this and he'll actually highlight them at the start and say look there's a issue with lease 2b this one uh, you know number 7a that there's got an issue they're missing bank deposits there or there's a you know there's a red flag with his um credit history like all that is uncovered and and then i can use that as the due diligence and go back to the agent and say we're not happy with that we want that fixed up prior to settlement or it might be a complete deal breaker and we just crash on the basis of what Sam's found in, in the legal lease review. So mm. that's normally, you know, second week of due diligence or, or third week. So it doesn't come week one. You kind of want to just check the numbers before the legal team gets stuck into the, the you know the legal lease review. So first thing I check is do the numbers stack up? So we just check bank statements and check the return is the return. If it is. Uh, the building report will come back at the same time as well. So the building report's cheap, you know, $500, 1000 bucks for a big property. It's not a big ticket item. So you get the numbers and the building report sorted first. If that looks good, the legal lease reviews will come through. And that 
that's huge for the due diligence. And if you know all those things check out, you, you're probably onto a winner. And uh, mm. and then after that, it's all all your usual lawyer stuff, checking easements, and yeah, or you know, basically preparing for settlement and balancing the the books. Yeah, what Scott spoke about there, our listeners, is is really important. That's using legal contracts or the sale contract to control a property and. Depending on what state you're in, there's, there's different ways it works. But um, you know, if there's a lot of competition for a property, you want to be able to control that property. So it means signing the contracts, safe in the knowledge that you've got get-out clauses normally at, at stages of the contract. Uh, and a lot of really smart buyers use this really well. That they, they might be controlling three, four contracts for properties in a similar area simultaneously, uh, and just looking for holes or looking for ways in which they can push the price down, uh, knowing that. There's different points in time they can actually get out of the transaction. So really, really smart play uh, if you can do that. A lot of people get worried about doing that. Though Scott, they think as soon as you ink a contract that you've got to proceed with it. So the key things to be looking at really is those sort of steps get out of the contract clauses, which normally happen at finance or a pest and building, you know, different different areas part of the DD process. Yeah, exactly. And look, you've got to you got to be careful. You don't want to burn bridges by crashing too many contracts. But you're right, like it is a major advantage if you can use that. You can basically outgun other buyers. And and you know, we've made a career out of doing that. And we, we know the checks you gotta do initially. You know, you you quickly call councils up, you you know, you have an agent you trust as well. Like if it's a dud property, they'll you know, you'd like to think the agent who knows the property best will be very honest with you and, and we work with the honest ones and the ones that have burnt bridges will never work for them again. So, like, we've got a big blacklist of agents that were effectively boycotted because they um, try to send uh, property through in hired numbers or, or they're just not diligent, which kind of then costs the client money and frustrates us. It, it's just a big relationship nightmare when that happens. So, Good thing about commercial is it's very rare because, like you said earlier on, Phil, there is it's like there's a lot more business nature to this. Like you're not there's not much emotion. Everyone like a good commercial agent knows the numbers sell the property. So every good buyer, especially a multiple million dollar property, they're going to check the numbers to the decimal point. So it's going to come, you know, it'll be unravelled three weeks into the due diligence, regardless. So it's best for all parties to get the numbers right from day one. And um. Maybe lawyers don't have much of a pulse, uh, Sam. What gets you excited these days when you're working on a, a legal contract? <laughs> I know a lot of lawyers, by the way, so I'm allowed to give you a hard time. Um, <laughs> you know, when you get home and go, it was a good day today. It was a good day for Sam at Breathing Property Lawyers. Oh, that's a tough one. You know, they're all good days, but I guess when you have as least hiccups as possible for clients, you know, mm. there's so much that goes wrong all the way along. Um, but, you know, a lot of the time clients don't see that. We're always fighting in the background because that's what we're here for. We don't want to send you every email and just say, let me know what you want to do. You know, a good day is one where it goes through smooth, no no issues, no, you know, have to change up contracts or stamp duty issues or something's come up with counsel, something that's a hiccup for a client, finance issues. You know, all those things, you know, we have to run back and forth for a client. But, you know, that's part of our process. That's what we're there for. Make sure we vet out all the things and make sure it all runs as smoothly as possible for a client. So what they see in terms of correspondence just happens or looks easy. And that's what we get paid for. So, you know, but for me, it's there's always a new a new transaction, something different happening. It's never two days the same, and that's what keeps it going, I guess, in terms of yeah. doing all of these transactions. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, a good lawyer will will be a sort of buttress you from a lot of the the noise that probably happens in the background. Um, 
and that's part of the service. But from a mindset point of view for commercial property investors, Sam, you, you've got to expect things not to be easy or things not to be as smooth as what you think it would be. I think a lot of property investors, if they're not very experienced, think it's, um, you know, there's not going to be much angst or there's not going to be many what-ifs and problems and issues. Like, that's just the nature of doing business inside of commercial property. Is that a fair, fair call? How, how would you say, what's the best way people for frame investors are framed going into a commercial transaction, just going, well, it's probably not going to go exactly as you pan out, so be ready to be a bit nimble? Yeah, absolutely. Look, nothing ever goes smoothly, and if it does, it's almost a surprise for us as well. I think the way you got to go into it is, is that, I mean, a lot of people go into building contracts and, you know, you're building your new home, and along the way, there's going to be variations because there's things that you don't know when you go to buy a property and you want to build it. You know, there might be stone under the property that you have to knock out and, you know, all of a sudden you've got 100K of extra costs or something that you didn't expect and now you can't do, you know, this half of the building the way you wanted it. So same thing with property when you're buying commercial property. There's going to be things that we pick up, you know, things that you didn't know when you're transacting. For some people, they go in with the mindset that it's very similar to residential, you know, where your conveyancer goes in, you buy a property, they do everything in between and they'll contact you closer to settlement when you're ready to go. With commercial, we need to have contact often with clients and make sure that you're aware of what's going on. They'll be back and forth with each lease, with each part of the property that you're buying. You know, It seems like a straightforward contract. They all look the same, but leases are all different. There's no regulated leases across each state. So anyone can use any lease from anywhere. You can get a lease that's 10 pages or one that's 100. And that's your cornerstone of your asset and we need to make sure that that's right. So going into it, making sure and thinking that there's going to be hiccups along the way, that's normal. That's what we're here for. That's what Scott's team's there for, to make sure that we try and guide you through these things and navigate as smooth as possible to get you through to the other end. And you know what? If a property falls through and it costs you some money, it is what it is. It's better that you've picked that up rather than not have picked it up and be stuck in it with someone who wasn't able to advise you on that. Sometimes clients, you know, as Scott said earlier, will do the DD review it, do the due diligence in that time frame. We'll say, okay, the contract's fine to sign because there's a 28-day due diligence clause, due diligence clause. And then after that, you know, clients sign, they get into it. And then during those 28 days, we get started. And so sometimes that can take two or three weeks for us to give the advice to the client. And clients will come back to us, you know, potentially three weeks later, look, my finance hasn't gone through and I can't go ahead with the property for whatever reason. And clients will say, okay, so you know, for us in the background for those two or three weeks, we've been working pretty hard to get all the advice summarized into the shortest form as possible to give it to the client. And there'll be usually an upfront cost, like a cost for the client, even though they don't proceed. But that's because in that time frame, our role is not to give you that advice as to whether you should go ahead or not. You know, we still prepare and give everything that you need to do to be ready. But there's still quite a bit of work that goes into that in the background. And you know, you might get a two page email that summarizes your lease or half a page. But that's taken a while and experience for us to be able to give clients that detailed advice in such a short, succinct format. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, what you see in front of you is is experience that's led to allow us to do that. And we've spoken mainly about being on the buy side. You also represent the vendor in, in commercial transactions. Is that largely an easier, more straightforward process uh, acting for the vendor? I think it is definitely when you're on a vendor, you know, they know what they're selling. And you've basically got to put a document together and say, this is what you're selling. And a lot of the principles of buyer beware in commercial property apply as well. So it's up to buyers to undertake their due diligence and understand the property and understand its position. Now, when you're acting for a vendor, you ultimately put a contract and the lease forward. And that's it's up to the buyer to go ahead into 
detail as much as they want. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's some certain things that you need to disclose when you're selling a property, but we'd always guide sellers about that and tell them what they need to include and what they don't need to include. Um, because at the end of the day, it's, there's no real end in sight. You can include as much or as little as you want for some people. Yeah, I think, uh, Scott, what we've determined uh, from this podcast is uh, the, the buyer's agents at the front end, they're all the sort of uh, shiny Hollywood side things everyone talks <laughs> about, but the lawyer is the actual, um, the unsung hero of commercial real estate transactions. <laughs> yeah, no, they're definitely uh, underrated. And um, I, I know like a good lawyer, like it's like when you're in business, you know, if it's all going great, you know, you don't you don't really need your lawyers too much, but they're they're there when the chips are down. Like if you've got a tenant trying to to argue over something or defaulting, or you know, you need that that stern legal letter to send that. Like that's all the stuff that comes out down the track. And it, it's definitely not Hollywood. It's uh, that's your sort of uh, you're in the trenches type scenario. And um, yeah, a good lawyer will always help you out of them. That's the idea. Well, Sam, thanks for joining us today, mate. It was good to chat. Thanks for having us, Phil. Appreciate it. And Scott, um, uh, there's lots of questions that have been coming in, uh, which we're sort of gluing all together. We'll we'll get stuck in a bit of a and a episode. Um, some of it's pretty baseline stuff that people want some more education on, but we're getting a lot of sort of scenario type questions coming in as well. So we'll get stuck into them. Um, anything else you think we, we sort of plan for for future episodes? Um, well, I think probably getting a good accountant in will be sort of of interest because uh, I'd like to sort of get someone to run through the Queensland tax uh, land tax changes, which don't well, yeah, I'll let them explain how it impacts commercial and how tenants pay certain amounts of land tax or whatnot. So it affects commercial differently to residential, but um, that could be something good to go through. Now that that's flown through, and um, yeah, lots of questions. Like you said, um, there's a lot of people wanting to come onto the show, so yeah, we'll we'll keep keep going through that, but. Yeah, I was. Uh, I wanted to say as well. If anyone was keen to leave like an iTunes review, that that'd be really good. My marketing teams asked us to do this just so it allows people to find the podcast easier as well. So if uh, if you get any value out of the show at all, yeah, really would appreciate if you could leave a review. It was um uh, that's Scott being nice. Um, if you're tuning into this, you know, it's just me and Scott do the the nice bit and. Have a bit of a chat. There's a big team who who make us sound good or do all the heavy lifting around this, um, both within our team here, but also at Rethink. So uh, they get a real kick out of that stuff coming through as well. So please leave those reviews uh, wherever you're listening to it. Most of, most of you on on iTunes, um, and we do have a look at them. Uh, we sometimes do shout outs as well. So uh, keep them coming. It just helps more people find uh, what we're doing right here. And back to my original point, Scott. There's a lot more people now asking about commercial rather than resi. So uh, let's see how it sort of continues through this market cycle what happens at the back end of it where we are in that that market cycle how far from the bottom are we who knows um but if you go and have a look at the history of, of real estate well you know what document history real estate there's always inflection points coming off the back of seismic market shifts and, and we're in that right now in terms of these interest rate hikes so a lot of economists talking about it come check it out maybe we can do a bit of a deep dive around that as well next time we get together scott yeah i think so like yeah deep dive into the economy side of things again it's it's been about six months since we last did that so yeah i think uh it's all very important stuff for for us commercial investors we'll jump into it that's uh, scott o'neill uh co-host of inside commercial property director over reefing investing thanks for joining us today we'll see you again next time until then bye-bye